Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Primary Care Podcast. It's your boy, Dr. Mark List. Today's joke from the Primary Care Pod at gmail.com inbox uh, comes from an anonymous listener. I think that shredded cheese should be banned in the USA. Why? Make America great again. Let's start the podcast. The Primary Care Podcast is written and edited by a family physician for an audience of other physicians, nurse practitioners, physicians, assistants, residents, and medical students interested in primary care topics. This is not a podcast for patients and should not be used as medical advice. This is also a personal podcast produced on my own time and solely reflecting my personal opinions. Statements of this podcast do not reflect the views or policies of my employer, past or present, or any other organization with which I may be affiliated. Thank you for listening to the Primary Care Podcast. I'm Dr. Mark List, here to bring you the latest news, guidelines, and updates from primary care sources around the globe. Keeping it under 15 minutes long because you're in a hurry and I'm not that smart. Welcome back to the podcast, pod girls, pod boys, pod people. It is your boy, Dr. Mark List, coming at you with another episode of the Primary Care Podcast. So when we talk about studies that make a big difference, I think today's study hits on that topic because I get this question asked a lot. And the topic is heart attack and stroke prevention. And obviously, we use the, or at least I use the ACC AHA cardiovascular risk calculator to discuss with my patients who would benefit from a statin, who wouldn't benefit from a statin. But then the question always becomes, well, what else can I do besides the statin? And I go off on my tangent, uh, on my talk about, uh, you know, lifestyle choices, diet interventions, exercise interventions, stopping smoking, you know, living exercise, you know, trying to sleep as well as possible, managing stress, uh, you know, cutting out, uh, chewing, smoking, et cetera. I think I mentioned smoking twice now. And the discussion always comes up. What about other options? What about niacin? That hasn't been used for a long time. But what about Zetia, which is uh, ezetimibe, right? Uh, what about these new PCSK9 inhibitors, right? Um, these super duper, duper fancy but really expensive medications. You know, do I need to be on one of these medicines? And today's study I thought was very, very good. Um, and let me pull this up here today. Uh, it is from the British Medical Journal here in May of 2022. So right hot off the presses. Um, and the article is PS, sorry, PCSK9 inhibitors and ezetimibe, aka Zetia, with or without statin therapy for cardiovascular risk reduction. And this was a very large four-trial systematic review and network meta-analysis. And the thing about meta-analysis is that I am not smart enough statistically to go toe-to-toe to look in the, into the statistics of the study. So this is a case where um, I kind of have to take the authors for some of their meta-analyses and how they do things because I am not as good statistically uh, when it comes to meta-analyses. But the trial results are actually really simple. So we're going to break these into two different categories, okay? So category one are people who take the maximum, they're on maximum therapy or or medically optimized statin therapy. So people that are tolerating their appropriate statin dose, 
okay? And then the other group of people are people who are statin intolerant. And this is really important because a, a very large percent, I don't want to say, um, you know, overestimate how many people aren't taking their statins. But in my population, I would ballpark estimate that 20 or 30% of my patients cannot take their statins, cannot, cannot tolerate their statins, refuse to because of side effects they've read about, things that they are concerned about. But again, um, if a patient is, you know, has doubts about a treatment or isn't going to follow through, are there other options for them? And this study also put all of the patients from these 14 trials, which was over 83,000 patients, into different risk stratifications using a couple of different metrics, which we'll talk about, but putting them into low, medium, high, or very high risk. Okay. And, um, it's not quite the same as the ACC AHA calculator, how they calculated this, um, but still, we'll, we'll talk about we'll talk about um, uh, how they risk stratified them. And if you don't listen to anything else for the rest of the podcast, I want to drill this into your head, and that is, the data basically says that adding azetamibe or adding a PCSK9 probably helps when patients are high risk or very high risk for major adverse cardiac events, okay? That's not a huge surprise, but it's really good to see a big giant meta-analysis really show that definitively, okay? In patients that are high, very high risk, very high risk. Um, so hold on, pause, let me go back. So what, is the, what do they mean by very high risk? So high or very high are patients with five or more cardiovascular risk factors or history slash hereditary slash familial lipid disorders or established cardiovascular disease, okay, so secondary prevention, okay, or patients with those familial, hereditary, genetic lipid disorders and significant risk factors. Okay, so those are the high and very high. And so their risk for major adverse cardiac events in the next five years is at least 15% or greater. And the very high risk, it's actually 24%. So again, that ACC AHA risk calculator that we use is actually a 10-year risk score. So, you know, you can't use apples to apples and you can't say 15% on that because it's a 10-year risk. Um, so these are people that, again, are high risk, five or more risk factors, or have a familial lipid disorder, um, or very high risk, meaning they have established cardiovascular disease, or they have risk factors, and they have a lipid disorder, familial or genetic or otherwise. Okay, so very, very high risk people. So looking at the data, those people who in these studies who were on a statin benefited from being on a PCSK9 inhibitor. But how much did they benefit? they had a reduction of MIs and a reduction of strokes, okay? So their reduction of MIs, the number needed to treat was about, well, hold on, let me do the math here because it's 16 per 1,000 absolute risk reduction. So that is a number needed to treat of 62 and a half, okay? So really not that bad, right? Uh, you only need to treat 62 people with a PCSK9 to prevent a heart attack within the course of this study, which was in the next five years, which isn't that bad, okay? Um, and stroke was actually a number needed to treat of 50, 
Okay, so, and that had, according to their meta-analysis, uh, statistical analysis, uh, meta-analysis, statistical analysis, that's a lot of analyses, uh, moderate to high certainty, right? Adding enzetimibe in ezetimibe, ezetimibe, I don't know why I can't pronounce that, ezetimibe, um, reduced stroke by about an absolute risk reduction of 0.7 less. So, you know, number need to treat about 80. Um, but the reduction of MIs did not reach the minimally, minimally important difference, right, of the study. So basically didn't kind of meet their goals to what would be considered a, a statistical significance, right? Now, if they were on a statin and adding both, again, maybe reduced by, you know, number needed to treat of 100, uh, you know, so all three of them basically, but statistically um, did not find uh, a reduction that was um, statistically significant, right? So it was it was borderline, but did not reach statistically significant, okay? When you looked at the people that were low to moderate risk, so these are people that had up to four uh, risk factors for heart disease, right? So up to four, and their major adverse cardiac event uh, risk in the next five years was up to 15%. So zero to 15%, low risk was zero to 5%, and uh, the moderate was five to 15. Those patients statistically did not benefit from a, PS, a PCSK9 or ezetimibe in addition to statin therapy. So a, a little concerning, right? Because these are patients that we would consider to be moderate risk, really didn't benefit at all. So take home being, well, uh, stick with your statin and call it good, okay? Interestingly, compared to control, meaning like people that were con well controlled on a statin or on their medically regimented um, statin that they were supposed to take, ezetimibe had no significant effect as an add-on for all-cause mortality in every single cardiovascular group. And most importantly, PCSK9s did not either, which is pretty stunning that this massively expensive PCSK9, even in the high-risk cardiovascular groups, did not show a reduction in all-cause or cardiovascular mortality. That is pretty damning. Pretty damning, right? Um, not to add that to patient people who are already on a statin, which... Um, I guess makes me feel good that I'm not going to have to, you know, try to make my patients spend money on a drug that's not going to add a cardiovascular mortality benefit. In your high-risk patients, again, talking about, yes, this may, if I treated 50 people, um, if I treated 50 people with this super expensive PCSK9, I'd get one that prevented a stroke. And if I treated 62, one would reduce a heart attack, probably not worth the $9,000 price tag or whatever it is now. Um, at least in America, I know your international listeners may or may not even have access to these. So, and ezetimibe, again, even weaker, uh, you know, borderline evidence. But what about that other group? And this is the group that I get more conversations about patients that say, hey, doc, I could not tolerate that statin. I had such muscle aches. I felt fatigued. I really didn't like the way it made me feel. Again, patients with high to very high monotherapy ezetimibe, aka Zetia, probably reduced non-fatal MIs, number needed to treat 62, and stroke, number needed to treat about 60, with moderate certainty, PCSK9s 
reduced by number needed to treat 45 and stroke almost 20. Sorry, that's wrong. Uh, number needed to treat with stroke uh, was 41, okay? Um, so PCSK9s, again, much better than Zetia head-to-head in terms of risk reduction. And what happens when you add them together? Again, there is a slight improvement, and this time it was actually statistically significant. So potentially adding ezetimibe to a PCSK9 or a PCSK9 to ezetimibe uh, potentially has a slight benefit, okay? Um, interestingly, for patients that were on ezetimibe, adding a PSK9, a PCSK9, you know, adding the more expensive if they were on the cheaper, had a number needed to treat of 50 fewer, so there was benefit. But if they were on a PCSK9, adding ezetimibe to that only improved about a number needed to treat of 80. So there was some benefit statistically, but not a lot. And that was the highest, highest risk. In the low to moderate cardiovascular risk, okay, here's, here's the crazy data, okay? These are patients that are not on statins, okay? If you have moderate 15% chance of developing a major adverse cardiac event, so you have four risk factors for cardiovascular disease, there is no statistical improvement, no benefit of non-fatal MI or stroke with either ezetimibe monotherapy or PCSK9 monotherapy in the low to moderate risk, either together or by themselves. And, the, and for there is absolutely no all-cause mortality or cardiovascular mortality benefit. So I think this study is pretty big because we see a lot of these people, especially in this second group, that are intolerant to statins. And I think it's good to know that for those really high people that have known cardiovascular disease, there's a small benefit. So it's small. It's there, but it's small. And there probably is a benefit to adding a PCSK9 and then adding ezetimibe on top of that. That's going to be practice changing for me because I really have never really used ezetimibe that much. I know that based on this study, I'm not missing much. Even in my super duper high risk people, adding ezetimibe to a statin has a little bit of benefit for stroke and MI reduction. But I mean, number needed to treat is close to 100 in both those, right? 80 plus in both of those. Um, so, I, you know, I've always said in the past, right, set people on their, that on their, uh, on their statin, give them the appropriate dose, make sure they're able to tolerate it and take it, um, and then let that be your protection. This study, again, helps me justify not making people break the bank with their PCSK9 inhibitors because they're crazy expensive unless insurance will pay for them. I only have a handful of people that can actually take them monotherapy, and I'm not gonna worry about them for monotherapy really at all unless patients are statin intolerant and then only if they you know are super duper high risk like known cardiovascular disease known uh you know hyperlipidemia uh familial or hereditary lipid disorder so again i think that this helps us clarify especially in discussions with patients about the pros and the cons and who benefits and who likely doesn't benefit. A lot of statistics today, but the take home point is no matter what you do, none of these drugs seem to make a difference when it comes to reductions in all cause or cardiovascular mortality. So, you know, really the conversation has to be with patients about, well, 
this isn't going to help you survive, but it might help you prevent a heart attack or stroke if we add one of these. And talking about the number needed to treat, I think is always important for patients to wrap their head around that even the best trial, the best number in this trial was patients who were statin intolerant and then who were very high risk and added a PCSK9 had at best, the best data in the entire study was a number needed to treat of 40 in, to prevent a stroke and a heart attack in five years. So I think those numbers are all really important to talk about with patients. I think this will be kind of at least reassuring to me from a practice standpoint to add data to my discussions with patients, a little bit more certainty revolving these statin intolerant patients, kind of what the risk is, what the risk isn't. And even for my patients that have super high risk for cardiovascular disease and are on a statin, having these conversations about, well, there's a little bit of benefit just in stroke and, and, and heart attacks, but not really in terms of overall death outcomes. So, you know, you're probably not going to be harmed not being on these. So hopefully, again, this was a good discussion for you. Hopefully this will be good things to discuss with your patients. Hopefully this meta-analysis was helpful to you. It was helpful to me, at least to review. Um, so this has been Dr. Markless with the Primary Care Podcast. Again, hit me up at primarycarepod.gmail.com. Uh, reminder, you don't need to stay up all night to stay up to date. Thanks and have a great week. Bye.